I'm Jason. And I'm Gary. We're the uh, Portland Timbeers, and uh, we have a little podcast here on soccer, beer, pretty much, pretty much whatever else we want. Social experiments. Ooh. Like what kind of social experiments? Ones that revolve around beer. What about birds? <laughs> no birds. What about bees? No? I, don't, I have no idea where you're going with that one. We already did a podcast on birds and bees. No, don't don't need another one. <laughs> well, buddy, we've had an eventful day. Um, went out and spent the morning with uh, Cooper Mountain Ale Works. Yeah, really good time. Very good time. And had a surprise collaboration there with Hops Hops on Tap. Hops on Tap, correct. Yeah. yeah. So kind of cool. They're uh, upscaling their... Blondale and brewing it on a big boy system that Cooper Mountain Ale Works has. Yeah, it'll be interesting to try that beer when it's done. Yeah, cool stuff. So, lots of good interview stuff from that group, um, focusing on kind of formation of Cooper Mountain Ale Works. Yeah. And then, uh, again, some good stuff with Hops on Tap. So, over there in Tigard, I guess they would call that Southwest Tigard. Yeah. <laughs> no idea? No. <laughs> Near King City. I just know it's out there. Yeah. Yeah. So we got some timbers to catch up on. Yes, we do. But what the hell are you drinking, dude? Um, I'm drinking some crazy concoction that you came up with uh, from, I think, a listener. Um, it's Budweiser's Copper Lager, but it's barrel-aged in Jim Beam barrels barrel aged in gene bear gene jim you can bean barrels wow, yeah, well, you've had you've had too many barrel aged beers that had one freaking sip of it <laughs> all right well listener matt this is a shout out to you thanks for uh, supplying us with the copper lager budweiser jim beam beers that's starting to loosen up there the warmer it gets uh, it's interesting um i'm catching just a hint of the jim beam not not uh it's not too terribly i'm gonna say it's almost minute really um, yeah i'm really not tasting that much of it so this is a not your standard budweiser this no. is their copper lager so it's got kind of an ambery look to it 6.8 percent kids yeah it's not your average budweiser <laughs> yeah no it's not a 4.8 or whatever they're going at this and, I, and i'm noticing this is a uh, shorty bottle too yeah, it's a little snubber. Yeah. I believe uh, smart move. listener said they picked this up at uh, Grocery Outlet. I believe it was four ninety nine for a six-pack. <laughs> <You can't. laughs> that's, that's insane. That, that's how you brew yourself into bankruptcy right there. Dude, it's the king of beers. Apparently, but not at that price. They're just passing out the copper to the peasants. Here you go. <laughs> Free discounted <laughs> copper lager. Free discounted copper lager. We're just going to get you hooked on the Budweiser name. Barrel All of our aged. beers have Jim Beam. It's got a pretty fancy label. Uh, I'll give them that. Yeah, it says Jim Beam on it, so nice yeah. cool collab. Well, so Timbers were hot and rolling, kind of. Were they? Well, we haven't talked about the wins. Well, right? no, but they had a pause, too, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
Toronto, they played on April 27th. I believe we talked about that game. Yes. Um, I believe we talked about the Salt Lake game that we won. We did. Yeah. Then they went to Vancouver on May 10th. Yeah. Threw up the goose egg. Big goose egg. Good old Freddie, I mistreat women. Montero. Uh, Montero, yeah. Um, scored on us. So uh, that's always fun. At least he's not playing for Seattle at this point. That's a good point. People from Vancouver are a little bit more palatable than those schmucks up in in the North Fishing Village. (laughs) Fishmongers. So then we go to Houston, uh, May 15th, and draw with Houston. Yeah. So, and at the 77th minute, do you know what happened? Mr. Fernandez. No. No, I wasn't talking about that. What? Well, so at the 70th minute, Gio looks down the bench and he says, Hey, Brian, <laughs> I need you to start preparing to get in ready. Like, you're coming into the game shortly. So Brian, like, looks at him and says, I must go in. I must get ready. I'm going to score. So then he uh, pulls up his sleeve, pulls out a razor blade. Oh, boy. Takes a line of coke off his forearm. And goes in and scores in the 77th minute. What is it with you guys in this line of coke on this poor guy? Yeah, there you go. So, 77th minute, this guy comes in, just obliterates everybody, um, and scores. Beautiful goal, too. Absolutely beautiful. Yes. Hanging on that outside and just waiting for the loft. Waiting for the loft. That's how I feel every time I do a line of coke. <laughs> just we're, we're gonna get sued. No, it's just coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. You know we're, what Tim texted me that night? Yeah, <laughs> I saw that yeah. actually. Yes, yes. So yeah. Anyways, Brian Fernandez is in. He's scoring. He's the only thing that's happening. Um, we're off. It looks like until the twenty fifth. So ten days off to kind of lick our wounds and get things straight. And then we go to Philly and play. And then you know what happens the week after? Home opener. Home opener. Yeah. Stadium's yep. really starting to come together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really jazzed about having to go early and wait in line. and. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save you a seat. Get my seat. <laughs> and, and now I have the trouble of uh, I've got to find somebody else to take. You know who you take? Who? Sean Barry. Yeah. Listener Barry. Hey, there you go. That's a good one. That'd be a good one. You know who else you take? Who? Somebody hot. Yeah, that's the way I was thinking. <laughs> but uh, first I have to know somebody hot to take. Um, I know somebody hot. You want to know what his name is? I forgot. Roberto. No. No, Roberto's hot, dude. No. He plays soccer in Chinos. Chinos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll find somebody. There's got to be some hipster that wants to come sit next to you. <laughs> hipster. <laughs> I'm going to nut punch a hipster. So <laughs> that that obviously is never going to happen. Well, we'll find a hot hipster. It's got to be female. All right. We'll find somebody. So, all right. Well, we play LAFC. Um, all the Coke guys. Make sure there's lots of Coke available at the stadium. We need lots of goals because LAFC <laughs> is lighting the thing up. So. Lighten it up. Yep. So. We need we need our guys to be all coked up. So especially against what number one team, right now, number one team. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, they can't even fill a stadium. Well, I got that down to talk about, so we might as well just venture into that. What the hell's going on with attendance in this league? <laughs> like, we've decided that we're going to build, like, 30,000, 40,000-seat stadiums. Yeah. And we couldn't even fill the 20,000-seat stadiums. No. Nope. And now we're building these bigger stadiums. And they can't fill them. Yeah, and the optic looks shitty. I mean, it looks horrid. Now, you know why they're doing that, though, right? Uh, why? It's not really for the teams that they're building those for. Yeah. It's for, like, the venues of the World Cups and all this other crap that the U.S. ends up hosting at some point. And they need those venues to be big enough to get enough people into them. Because at those, they actually sell enough. The problem is Kansas City Stadium, which I watched Kansas City. Kansas City's for known for, like, having a pretty rabid fan base. Yeah. Filling up the stadium. Yeah. Um, that stadium's been, I want to say it's like a 10-year stadium or something. Yeah. Um. It probably had, I mean, a couple thousand seats available that were open. I mean, it looked horrid. That's insane. Right? And it's not where the supporters are sitting on the end. It's in the other areas of the stadium where there's just blocks of seats where nobody's there. Well, now, I wonder how much of that, though, is could be attributed to cost of the seat. Because those are, those are usually your higher-priced reserved seats, right? Yeah, but and that's essentially what we're talking about here yeah. is that the optics when I'm watching on TV and saying, hey, look, I want to go be a part of that. Right. Um, and I see that there's a ton of open seats. It automatically lowers my threshold and says, eh, do I really want to be a part of that? I don't want I want to go to something that's buzzing and popping, not something that there's a bunch of open seats. Well, and I think it also has an additional effect on that. You see that there's empty seats, and they're they're saying they want this much for a ticket. Right. And you're saying, well, why would I pay that much for a ticket when you get empty seats? Totally. Right. Or Houston. Let's talk about Houston and Dallas. I mean, the MLS is pushing Texas down our throats. Yeah. They want to do this Austin thing, which just was finalized. Um, Houston and Dallas suck from a supporter's Yeah. I mean, they're freaking horrible. Right. They just built the soccer Hall of Fame in Dallas, right? And I'm like, why? Like, nobody goes. Like, at tops, they get a couple thousand people going to their games at these places. Yeah. Um, And then San Jose. San Jose was garbage. Like, I just look around the league, and the Columbus, Columbus is horrible. And the MLS saved that franchise for what? Yeah, I don't know why they saved that franchise. I mean... So we're trying to attract top-level talent to come into the league and play, but in front of a couple thousand fans. Yeah, yeah they don't want to play. They want to play in front of big crowds. If right. you're, you're going to draw big names, you got to have big crowds. Yeah, it makes no sense. There's something broken, man. Mm-hmm. And I and I pray that the Timbers like fill their stadium. Right? They just expanded this thing by what twenty five hundred, three thousand seats. Maybe yeah, something more. like that. Yeah. I th- I th- the, I'd heard rumors it was like five thousand seats, but so, so regardless, so still theoretically we've got this this massive wait list, right? Of people that have been on there for five, ten years. You're one of those guys. I was one of those guys, right? yeah. But there's this huge discussion of is it seats that people are holding out that that's the wait list is how many seats, or are they or waiting out for the Timbers Army? Well, or is it people, right? So, and essentially, you got two seats. Correct. Right? So, was yeah. that 5,000 people that had a couple seats apiece, or was that... 5,000 actual seats. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I right. see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so how yeah, long was, is that actual list? Is it a 15,000 seat wait list or is it a 15,000 person wait list? Right. And in the grand scheme, it doesn't really matter, right? Because, right. So, but it's still 15,000. You said you got an email from the Timbers organization yeah. saying that they still have seats for sale. Correct. That, and, But they're the super high end freaking free licorice ropes and hot dogs well yeah that or the, it was like a package right on the sidelines yeah which is like a, i think it's a fifteen thousand dollar package yeah, i'm like, just not sure i just hope it's not me that we show up on an opening game or in august and and maybe the timbers aren't doing so well but the stadium's still full right yeah Portland's you know that'd known. be nice to see right so anyways big huge concern there um but I got to tell you, MLS, man, the optics look horrid on this thing. Of this, I mean, even if you try to keep the camera angle cropped down onto the field yeah, and down to the players, you're, you're still seeing empty seats. You still see a shit ton of empty yeah. seats. Yeah, it's just yeah. crazy. So they've got to do something to fix that because, again, people want to go to something like NBA playoff basketball where it's like packed in and people are like crazy and just rabid which the timbers army has been right but in these places that are struggling man dallas houston columbus lafc had huge plot blocks and they're number one in the league right um and and people will go well that's just la it doesn't give two shits like no. we want great players to come and right play you've, you've got to have the fan support so I, I've got a solution for that. What is that? CG. What's CG? Computer graphics. Oh, just to fill in. Those <laughs> oh, Jesus. Fill them in. Yeah, I don't. Think. <laughs> if you got a problem with the optics, just fill it in. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the solution <laughs> is on any of that because um, I just know that you've got to create an environment where people go rabid, right? Right. Um, and, and it's not so much just the TV. I think it's twofold. I think if you're there and half the stadium's full and you look around, and you're like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, I've noticed that over just the last couple of years going to Timbers games, though, too. The Just the overall general environment has changed. Right. It, it's not as rabid as it used to be. You don't have the whole stadium going nuts. Well, we've talked about uh, this like with the Timbers Army. Um well, yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Is is you get supporters groups that go off on tangents that are not soccer related or purely soccer, you start to lose people. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I, and we talked about this in past episodes, but I think that the supporters group and the current administrations in there, they were voted in. They they're doing their thing. Um, but it's not the same as it was. And right. they're doing a lot of good for the community, but they also spend a lot of time just doing other stuff and not necessarily focusing on rabid support of the team. Right. 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 I mean, in some ways, the simplistic days of pickle buckets and homemade TIFO <laughs> and two sticks and all that, um, I miss. And because at least there was some sort of support down there versus what appears to be manufactured support at times so right but and playlists of certain chants you can do and can't do because we're afraid of offending people and they're like <laughs> come on it's soccer it's freaking soccer quit taking yourself so serious <laughs> you're not sending a message to the world no but uh, all right enough about that 
So, well, let's take a quick break. We'll finish these little bad boys up, and we'll come back with some talk about Cooper Mountain Ale Works. Woohoo! Right. Well, Cooper Mountain Ale Works. Booyah. Spent the morning out there. Thanks for the invite, guys. I could have spent all day there. Could have, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, generous hosts. Got to try a couple of their beers. Very generous. Had a hopscotchy. Yeah, yeah. Hopscotchy. Was ne- that what it never was? heard that term before. Yeah. Hot, hotscotchy. Hotscotchy. So it was what scotch and basically wort. Wort, yeah, um, right straight out of the the kettle. So yeah, interesting stuff. Um, beautiful little system from Stout Tinks and Kettle Works, uh, modified to fit what their needs are. Right. Um, so and of course that's where my stuff's from is Stout Tanks. Um, so we've given them quite a bit of love, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Tyler over there. Right. Um, but yeah, interesting to see how these guys are doing it. Um, I would say a step above what we're doing. I mean, going from homebrew to a one barrel system and they've got plans to go into a three or a five barrel system. Right. Yeah. So, um, kind of cool stuff. So any shout outs for you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Very definitely. So at, at the, just from Cooper mountain, uh, big shout out to Dan who wasn't even there. But uh, he had apparently prior obligations. But uh, big shout out to to Christy and Chris and Aaron uh, of Cooper Mountain Ale Works for letting us come up there and pick their brains and interview them and and just get to know them better and really get to see what their their whole operation looked like. And uh, it was was really cool. Um, Really cool to see how they blend everything that they do just from a from an everyday standpoint i mean these are all people that have full-time jobs and they're brewing on top of that so um and then they've got families so hats off to those guys yeah so uh while we're sitting back and listening to the first part of this interview i've tapped us into rhino suit by ale song this is part of my birthday present wow uh, this is an Imperial Milk Stout aged in bourbon barrels uh, by Ale Song and Eugene there. So these guys are the bomb if you haven't had them. They are known for their blending. Um, and it says the this is Rhino Suit was the first spirits-based barrel aged beer that this group released uh, way back in 2016. So uh, it Ooh. remains one of their favorites. This year's rendition of the Imperial Milk Stout was matured in freshly emptied Heaven Hill bourbon barrels to add a velvety layer of vanilla and coconut to the sweet and chocolatey malt flavors of the beer-based stout. Sounds interesting. So, uh, And the reason I bring this out is we tried two great beers over there. Um, we tried a cranberry uh, stout, I believe it was, or a cranberry ale. Uh, no, I think it was a cranberry stout in wine, wine barrels, barrels, right? Right. Yeah. And then uh, and then the second one we had was a bourbon barrel, almost a brown ale, was it? 
You know, I'm, I'm my memory's failing. Yeah. On, on but it was what the exact beer was. But fantastic, definitely had the bourbon on it. So yeah, yeah. But <laughs> oh, part of their boy. private library that they've got. and it was smooth bourbon. It, it wasn't the smack in your face bourbon taste that you get in a lot of these bourbon barrel aged beers. Yep. So let's sit back, listen to that as we sip our rhino suit here, and uh, we'll be back shortly. Enjoy the interview. All right. Hey, I'm Aaron uh, Fastenau, one of the co-owners of Cooper Mountain Works, and uh, having our good brew day here with Hops on Tap, and uh, excited to be hosting the Tim Beers here and talking about beer, and uh, yeah. So, Aaron, how did you guys start this whole endeavor? I mean, we can... Obviously, there's the website that you guys have, and people can go on there, and they can kind of look at part of the story. Mm-hmm. But that is literally only part of the story. Yeah, there, yeah. There's always this back scene thing so that, that the happens. So, was the first homebrewer? Start there, and then we'll... Yeah, so I, I've been homebrewing for about nine or ten years. Um, and my first year of homebrewing, I kind of jumped in uh, with both feet, and I brewed about 35 batches of beer, five-gallon batches of beer. In one year? In one year. Um, a lot of that was, um, you know, for weddings or uh, birthday parties or family reunions or whatever. Um, but people were liking the beer that I made, and I really liked making it. Um, I, I love a, a huge variety of, of styles of beer. So, right. um, you know, I was excited to try and brew everything. Um, I didn't have a way to lager beers, but I found a way to keep my beer cold uh, just so I could try brewing it. Just right. because it was fun. Um, and learning the process and, and uh, getting my own setup all dialed in, um, you know, turned into a, a, a pretty serious hobby for me over the years. And um, I certainly don't brew as much um, at home as I used to because we have a brewery now. But um, <laughs> the passion is still there, the love of, of um, you know, all the different styles, trying to find something new and unique uh, to offer people um, brings me joy. So. So now you're st- you're still doing home brewing sometimes. Correct. Yep. So big question here would be: Is that where you do your pilot batches? Uh, yes and no. Um, so there's there's certain styles of beer that we may like individually that um, aren't as suited to what we're trying to do in the brewery. Right. Um, there's also things that we just can't do because of fermenter space or whatever. Um, you know, we're on a since we're on a fairly small system, um, we're trying to crank out beers relatively quickly. And there's some beers that we, we uh, age for an extended period of time, like our Belgian Triple. Okay. Um, you know, that one is a beer that takes a few months before it's really ready for people to drink. Um, but we can't have a lot of beers like that because our cool room is, you know, five by eight or whatever. So, right. um, you know, there's some bigger beers that I've done at home um, that I've let sit for six months. Uh, we just can't really do that in the brewery yet, but um, the dream is as we get bigger and, and have more space, um, we'll be able to maybe do some of those recipes and let them age out. And, and uh, We actually just started our, our barrel program um, earlier this year, um, and so we've done a couple of barrel-aged beers and uh, have a couple more raw barrels here ready for beer and uh, excited about, about getting that going. So one of the things that keeps coming up is capacity. And as a small brewery, how how often do you happen to brew to meet the capacity for the demand for your beer that's out there? So last weekend we had to do two 
two batches in the same weekend. That's pretty rare. Uh, that was that was you know five hours one day, six hours the next day, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think in general, that's I mean, it's not a big deal, but you know it takes time away from my family and, and things of that nature. I'd rather keep it to one time per. But the weekend before we couldn't brew, there was some other stuff going on, and then we had a brew with these guys this weekend. So in order to just you know get the right amount of the right beer done, that's what we needed to to, to do. So when you look at that that size comparison, what you just went through, what is the size of your guys' system that you're brewing on so that you're you're actually meeting somewhat the demand that's out there? Well, for, for right now, you know, we're we're really only going into eight eight tap houses, I think, mm-hmm. um, one restaurant. So grand scheme of things, we're not talking about massive, massive demand. Um, we don't get uh, a lot of solicitations because we're doing all self-distributing right now. So really is more about us going out and finding the places that we want our beer served at. We feel like families can go and, and, and enjoy our beer. Uh, we, we have two small children, and we don't really like to hang out in places where we can't go with them. So that's, you know, that's a pretty big driver. Um, it's one of the big reasons that we spend a lot of time at Hops on Tap is it's the most kid-friendly place around. There's couches, there's a lot of toys, there's a lot of books, there's, there's space for children to be and still not be in the middle of everything. Um, and that's a, for me, that's, that's super huge. Um, pretty much everywhere we go, the first thing I ask them is, do you allow kids or can you allow kids? Right. You see, the beauty of this is, is you said eight tap houses, so there's not a, what your opinion is, is that there's not a great demand. From a home brewing standpoint, eight tap houses is a lot of places to have your beer. Oh yeah, so, it's, it's not. It's not that we're not. Super, so I super think excited. it's. I think it's perspective. Yeah. Right on what that demand is for most of our listeners who are probably home brewer side. You guys have hit it big, so to speak, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you're you're having to balance out, like you were saying, time with family, time to brew, time to self distribute, time to do all this other stuff. But the beauty of it is, is Jason and I walked up today. And you guys are already in here, you're going at it, everybody's smiling, they're enjoying it. The beauty of that is you guys are still enjoying the brewing part of it, and, uh, and that's awesome to see. I, I told Christy yesterday, so, you know, last weekend doing that that kind of double double batch day to try and get a little caught up and, and make sure right. that we had beer for the next couple of months for, for certain of our styles that we knew we were going to need yeah. to, to be filling orders for. Um, and I said, you know, I'm really actually looking forward to brewing again tomorrow. And I, I kind of feel like that that was such a good sign for me that like I could I could quit my job and I could do this full time right. and not feel like like I'm losing out, you know. So I'm going to bring in the next member, and this is Christy, I believe, and I'm going to have you introduce yourself and just kind of describe what it is for you, how all this works with the balance of family, work, and everything else that's going on. Uh, yeah, it, it works because you make it work. Um, it, it can be a, a big juggling act, but we've got a lot of uh, good resources. We've got a good team for our childcare. Um, you know, we, we make that simple. Um, I have a lot of flexibility in my uh, in my professional life, um, so I can get the time out. Um, you know, if I need to, I. I am responsible largely for the, the accounting and the licensing and all of that. So okay. uh, I don't have to go in um, 
and do the sales calls and do the promotion. I love that part. Right. Um, I got into this because uh, way back when I sold wine. So that's, okay. um, anyone who works in the wine industry for, for very long knows that you drink a lot of beer. Um, yeah. So eventually I'd love to be able to participate more in the, the sales and the networking. Um, but right now, my part of it, I can do after the girls are in bed. Um, you know, you make the time for it. Right. And, and so it, it just works because it does. Um, my husband is crazy enough to make this a priority. Um, and, and to say, well, why not? So we juggle a lot, but it's still fun. Um, our partners are really great friends. Right. Um, so that makes it easy. And like Chris said, the places that we go to sell the beer are places that we can bring the family. And so we don't have to do a lot of trade-off with, uh, you know, babysitter's times and, and whatnot. So Right. So that's, that's kind of huge for you guys because it's, it's all-inclusive, basically. Yeah. yeah. Which is nice to see. Yeah. So, and you know, one day if we can bring the girls into the, the brewery, there are a lot of women that are doing really great things in, in this industry, in this community. Um, you know, I've, I've been part of the Pink Boots group, um, which is okay. networking and, um, and, and just really getting behind the women that are in this industry in Portland. Um, lots of great ladies, um, you know, Sonia Marie Lycombe, Lisa Heater Allen, yeah. you know, they're, they're great resources. They're great contacts. They're, you know, good people to be able to talk, talk with about, you know, how does this work for you? So, um, we'd love to bring the girls into the, into the brewery at some point. They're a bit young to be <laughs> making commitments right now. Um, although we've had, uh, we've had our one-year-old in the pack and play, um, starting her apprenticeship. Nice. Um, and, uh, our four-year-old definitely comes out and runs around, uh, helps with hoses and whatnot. So, um, you know, there might be a future in it. That's awesome. It's awesome. You guys can keep it a, a family based around it, but then also have other stuff that's going on that, that you can branch out and, and keep separate as well. All right, Jason here. So, um, I guess a question for the gang. I don't know who wants to answer here, but who wants to tell me about the brew setup you have, where it's from? It looks like it's a stout tanks and kettles ideal. We do our shopping. At least that's my system, the stout tanks system. But tell me about the setup. Tell me about capacity. Tell me where you guys are buying your grains, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, we are on a uh, one-barrel system that's uh, 31 gallons uh, per brew um, on the smaller side. But uh, it's big enough that it allows us to... Um, you know, make the beers we want to make at the quality we want to make them. Uh, have a pretty wide variety, and if we want to try a new recipe, we're not afraid of of doing that um, because we're investing all this money in grain for a you know two thousand gallons of beer that we are not sure if we like or if we're going to sell. Um, so that's that's one thing that having a small system um, allows us to do. Yeah. Um, we started off um, buying um, parts of the system off of, off of Craigslist. We had a um, one of the owners. Um, ran across a great deal, and uh, we ended up getting a couple of pieces there on Craigslist, and then um, we had to buy a couple of other pieces from Stout to kind of fill out the system. Okay. We started off propane fired, as you can see from the coloring on our <laughs> on our boil kettle there. Mine looked eerily similar. Uh-huh, right? yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, so we, we did about four brews or so on a propane and decided that wasn't for us. It's, it's uh, loud, um, it's a lot of heat. Um, and for what we really wanted to do, um, we decided that electric was the way to go. So we ended up just, um, converting our, our boil kettle over to, um, electric. And, um, so we had, a, a 
somebody weld in um, some ports for the electric elements and um, haven't looked back. That has been the best thing that we've done, I think, um, best decision that we've made. No, massive. So, again, love it. So, again, I'm brewing on gas now, and at some point we need to go electrical, right, to make right. the thing work. Yep. So talk to me about grains, where are you guys purchasing grains from. So um, That's all coming from Great Western, Great Western uh, up Direct. in Vancouver. Yep, Good. so we, we drive up there maybe every other month uh, with one of the trucks and load it up and come back with a pallet of uh, pallet of grain and then whatever else, you know, uh, whatever other gear we need. So what other, where are you buying your specialty stuff? Um, usually from uh, uh, Main Brew. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I work for Nike, and I'm close enough up to Main Brew most of the time that I can just go and get three or four pounds of whatever. Right. So, like, if it, if it's a really small grain that we don't use very much, and obviously you can see we've got we've got all of the crystals, we keep all of that stuff in stock. Um, but something a little weird, we yeah. we can go and grab just a few pounds of stuff. Yeah, it's the outlier stuff. So we've been dealing. I mean, I've been dealing for 20 years with Sharon over at uh, Tiger Brewing there at Above uh-huh. the Rest. Yeah. So. yeah. And then I introduced Gary to uh, Main Brew recently, and so that's where uh-huh. he's going now all the time. So. Nice, yeah. But good. Well, we'll take a small break here and come back at it. So we got to talk about these hop scotchies that we had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? So you want to do that now? Uh, yeah, sure. So, so we had this hop scotchy. This is like a thing, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, so what it's, is it? It's, it's uh, literally just scotch and uh, the wart of the day. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you can change the ratio based on your taste, but we usually do about half and half. And uh, it changes a lot with uh, the beer you're making. So you're doing a big imperial stout or something. This thing is going to be a malt bomb. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be dark, roasty. Um, but like today, we're doing a, a blonde ale. So this is ending up being just a really nice, light uh, drinker. Got a little bit of that scotch flavor. Tiny bit of peat uh, from the scotch that we chose today. And um, just a really nice, uh, easy-to-drink beverage. Um, little bonus for making it through the mash. Uh, in one piece, and um, yeah. Cool, awesome. Well, we'll come back here shortly uh, get some more uh, from the guys here at Hops on Tap as well. So, want to hear more about them. We haven't been out to that establishment. We're Tigered guys, too. So Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great place. But um, we'll kind of go from there. So, with that, Tim Beers. All right. All right. Cooper Mountain Part 1. Part 1 of Dewey. Yeah. What do you think, man? Anything stick out to you in your head there as you're drinking that rhino suit? On the beer or the interview? Yes. (laughs) I hate that. Yes. Yes to what? Yes to all. Yeah, of course. Um, Yes means yes. Yeah. Uh, No, I I really just enjoyed my time up there at Cooper Mountain. Um, Real down-to-earth people. Uh, Chris likes to call himself an asshole, which he really isn't. I thought he was really easy to get along with, so I don't know where he gets that impression of himself. Um, and everybody else, just absolutely a delight to talk to, uh, great to share ideas with, and just uh, to talk about brewing in general. Now, as far as this beer goes, <laughs> um, Ale Songs Rhino Suit, <laughs> birthday present. Fantastic beer, with with no question whatsoever. Uh, I think we chose the wrong day to to drink it um is there really a wrong well, way to drink a beer yeah i mean I'm, I'm probably using that word incorrectly um there might have been a better day like a cold cold day but i'll still take it uh absolutely good, fantastic <laughs> the the whole beer it it starts off with you can taste the barrel age and then it finishes very sweet 
and just very, very, very enjoyable. Yeah, this beer is fantastic. Like, hats off, ale song. So, Jesus. All right. Well, listen to listen. La, 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 la. That's the twelve and a half percent right there. Exactly. There. That that's your ale song talking. Uppity, uppity, uh, that's <laughs> all, folks. Um, so we're going to move into part two here and see what the folks there at Cooper Mountain Ale Works have to say. Um, and we'll go go from there and be back. Oh yeah. All right, Jason from the team. We're back, part two, and we're talking brewery here. So there's a great story that we hear about the brewery and kind of the foundation of this place. I'm going to give you that mic there. So so tell me about this trip to Belgium. Okay, so I guess uh, January, February 2014, you know, we're homebrewing a lot. We're probably, you know, every, every three or four weeks we're turning out something new and interesting just between the three of us kind of having a good time. And uh, my wife and I went to Belgium for, for a wedding, and at the, at the wedding, there was a lot of beer. It was actually, it was at Rodenbach, like the original, I mean, wooden, yeah. wooden uh, vat Rodenbach, which was hundreds of years old. Yeah, it's like 500 giant, years old. Giant uh, brick building, really, really kind of a cool space. Um, and then we accidentally, not kidding, seriously, accidentally... There was the uh, Bruges Beer Festival was there while we were in town. Yeah. And we spent um, a little time. That Was that after the wedding or before the wedding? Uh, just in a it was the day after the wedding, and we're, like, within 100 miles or something. Super, super, super short. Um, we were able to go over to this, uh, this festival with 300-plus Belgian beers. You know, and, and what we were getting in Portland at the time from a Belgian perspective was full-on garbage. Right. I mean, it was just sour, gross things. And I'm not a sour guy in general, but you guys were here. It wasn't yes. good, right? It's no, not, not at all. We didn't, like, Freem hadn't really come up yet and really, like, taken a, taken a hold in that Belgian market. And nobody else was doing that. The guard that. and some of those guys weren't around Monkless, yet. Yeah. et cetera. Like, nobody was doing that, that thing. Um, so I didn't have a lot of exposure to those kind of beers. Um, and 300 beers, you know, uh, in front of us, and we got to taste a lot of incredible stuff. It's mostly Abbey beers, but, yeah. you know, a lot of, a lot of larger places Some other well. Trappist stuff. Yeah. Um, and we also stayed at a place called Golden Corollas. Um, the, it's actually called Pet Anchor, but their main label is Golden Corollas. Um, and, um, and what they were doing was just... I mean, it just blew my mind. Like it was, right. a, it was a complete departure from IPAs and the hop-heavy Northwest scene, and to me, that worked. Um, I get a little bit of a, a headache problem from very, very high hop beers, um, so I have to stay away from that stuff completely, really. Um, and it, it just really appealed to me um, what they were doing. A lot more spices, a lot more interesting yeasts. It was just more sciency. There were more things going on. Um, and it just, I mean, it was, it was a complete change from kind of simple, simple beers that were very hop-driven to very malt-driven, but also flavorings. But like real flavors, like spices from the world, you know, from the earth. Vanillas well, and natural, and natural fermentations and, and things like that, right? So yes, but like that's that's still not my thing, right? Natural fermentation, I think, if you if you get your yeast dialed in perfectly in a spot, and it's great, cool. But also, a lot of natural fermentation is Horrible. bread and gross, <laughs> right? So that's not my thing. It's not. 
and I, I know that there's a lot of people out there who are who are into that stuff, but I I can't handle it. It really wrecks my stomach. Oh, it does it really? Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, I don't do vinegar just in general. No, right. It's I don't either. not a thing. All these people so. that are drinking apple cider vinegar lately, and I'm like, man, that's horrible. To if me. it works no for you, way, you know, so. it works for you, but it right. does not for me. So yeah, I guess, and we've talked a little bit on the podcast about this. There's the clean room people that are like, everything's got to be clean, clean room. Everything's got to be sterile. I want everything controlled within within that scope. Gary's that way in many ways, right? And then there's others that are like, I'm going to do natural fermentation. Everything's open air. What will be will be. I'm going to use fruits and all sorts of stuff. And then there's the people in the middle that do just fine, right? That don't go clean room style. Everything's clean, but I don't need to have everything totally controlled. But I also don't want everything totally loose. Um, and that's kind of the spectrum I kind of fit into. Is I think there's a lot that you can do in that place and not drive yourself nuts. But then also not leave things up just a chance. Yeah, it's, also, it's the stress right. for me. Like I don't want to be in the position where, uh, like, every five minutes I'm worried about whether or not the fermentation on my beer is going. Well. Right. I can't, I can't handle that. Like it's not, it's not good. Right. And and I am the, I am the sciency guy. But also, when you really get down to it, the difficulty in ruining beer, if you're pitching billions of yeast cells, which you should be doing, yes, you can't ruin it. No. It's virtually impossible. Right. You can ruin it when in the bottling phase, for sure. You can ruin one bottle at a time with not being clean enough. Right. But if you're talking about kegging beer, it's virtually impossible. Right. It's virtually impossible. Right. If you're you'd doing it right to, with cells. Right. You'd have to really ruin something. Um, you know, we have such great access to really clean yeast. We have, like, you know, yeast places yes. just down the street, you know. You know, hour away. So the transport time is very low. The likelihood of getting bad, you know, bad vials of yeast is very, very low these days. And billions and billions of cell. Have you guys tried any yeast sharing with uh, any of the larger breweries at all? No. No. To tell you the truth, I think we were so dialed in on our recipes that, um, actually, as of right now, we're not even reusing yeast. Oh, really? Good. We have done in the past. And some of the beers that we make a lot of, um, that makes a lot of sense. But grand scheme of things, like getting it exactly the same every time, um, which is something we're you know really trying to dial in before we do any kind of scaling up sort of a situation. Um, we just really feel like the cleanliness that we get from just doing a yeast starter the morning of a brew, right? Giving it six to twelve hours uh, to to do some multiplication and and just pitching pitching that has been so clean and right. no weird problems no. No funky no, stuff. No, because it gets no going bleed. right off the bat before no anything else can get in there. From, right. from any other batches. You know, it's you have to use science equipment. You right. have to use real stuff to centrifuge out all of that that funky bits from your last brew, if it happens to be a, a slightly different beer. Right. And, you know, a lot of places end up with their house yeast, and they make, like, 16 beers with their house yeast, and that's, that's not what I would no. like to do. I really like the differences that we get from this yeast and that yeast. Yeah. We use at least seven different yeasts. Um, I think we have two beers with the same yeast. Um, that's that's the maximum of for, for any one yeast. And honestly, one of those we kind of want to stop making, even though it's extremely good, because it just ends up a little too close to to one of our other beers. Right? Our ESB and our English Strong, they're Are like 1.5% in alcohol different. And Grand Skew thinks the malts are actually very different. But because of the, the yeast that we use, uh, which is London, London Ale Yeast, uh, WLP013, okay. um, it's just it's too close. Yeah. It's too close. Um, so we're actually kind of like not making that anymore. We, we did put it in a barrel. We added uh, another 2% to it and oh. put it in a barrel. 
Uh, and that was incredible. Like that's that's the thing. I'll I'll get you some later. I think we've got one bottle sitting around. Yeah. To share out. Um, and put in one of these bags. It's gonna boys. be ready to made rock. A, made a about a three month uh, barrel aging uh, over the kind of Christmas time and and January February. Um, we've got some kegs out. They've got a keg. Ad hops on tap. Uh, Growler's got a keg. Room one twenty two's got a keg. A number of places have some some stuff and. In the next month or so, people will start like putting that on tap, and um, I think that's going to be a big one for us. Um, oh, there's also one over at uh, the Highland Stillhouse. Okay. That's kind of the furthest out that we've gone. We don't really cross yeah. the river in general. I, can't uh, I don't cross the river either. <laughs> I mean, it's it's traffic, right? Yeah. For me, I, I don't want to be three kegs in the back of my truck trying to get to some place. You know, we're not we're not at the point where we're going to have a refrigerated transportation device you know anytime soon so making sure that we're getting good quality product to places uh is you know pretty important so we're going 10 minutes yeah that's what you know, paul that's was talking about from long he was like he basically put his place in the middle and has a circle drawn around of look these are the places i'm gonna go this is what i'm gonna do and this isn't a full-time gig for me yet so yeah. um and that, that makes sense so so uh question did you climb the tower and ride with the swans in bruges the white swans we did not oh we, we just Drank beer. Just drank beer. Okay. okay, so so going back to that story, like, sorry, got a little little sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. And, so he didn't want to go to Bruges at did all. Did not want to go to really? Bruges. Really? Went to this well because like the festival was like we didn't know what how transformational that was going to be yeah. at least right. for me. So we get to this brew festival. I haven't spoken English to anyone except Christy, uh, like English English, you know, first first language English. Um, so I was like I was feeling a little uncomfortable. It had been. A little bit of a struggle to communicate with a few people and, and that sort of thing, um, but mostly fine. And we met uh, an American service couple. Um, they were at some some base really close to there, and we piled around with them. They showed us because they'd been there for for a number of years, um, and they showed us you know a couple of breweries that they really really liked. And then they said, "You've got to go talk to this guy. He's up on the end over there. He's super small. Just go talk to that guy." And we went over there. He's got a one-barrel brew system. He's open from 2 in the afternoon to 4 in the afternoon on Saturday or Sunday, one of the two, but only one. And that's the only time he's allowed to sell beer. Hmm. That's his license. He has a one-barrel brew system. He makes one beer. And one day a week. Wow. So it's this Belgian triple. Uh, I don't know where his yeast came from. I don't know anything about it other than when I had the sample... I said, we have to take this back to our friends. We have to let them know that Belgium is not this, like, all Flanders reds that are terrible. You know, there's this, there's this completely different, you know, perspective yeah. of, of extreme quality. Just massive, massive, like, focus on making that one beer perfectly all the time. And that guy had just dialed it in, and it was the best beer I'd had in my whole life up until that point. And, you know, we weren't super, super into it as much as we are now, but it was, I mean, it just, like, it just blew my mind. And that's the same time frame that I had my first Triple Carmelite, which is, like, the 2009 World Beer Cup Beer of the Year. Yeah. Not Beer of the Triple Style, Beer of the Year. And Head Anchor had 40, probably, World Beer Awards of, you know, various styles. So um, that's the Golden Corollas label that I was talking about before incredible stuff right. you know a lot of it's on the sweet side but they have you know just the, they have the whole gamut they're making whiskey now there you know whiskey like stuff right um just crazy stuff 
And this guy actually, what did he give us? Two bottles? Two 12-ounce bottles, because he was not allowed to sell it to us. We couldn't buy any amount. He didn't really have any there to sell, but he did give us two bottles to bring home to the fellas. And one month later, we had a 55-gallon mash tun sitting in my garage. A <laughs> <laughs> great story. You know, it was, it was, it was that big for me, that, that a guy in a little garage in Belgium could be making beer of that quality. Right. That, what that told me was we need to think a little bit bigger. Right? We can do this. Not necessarily like are we going to have a big brewery, that sort of thing, but I want to have the equipment level that I can brew great beer all the time. Right. You know, and I had struggled a lot with, with home brewing, um, especially with kind of the, the pale malt. You couldn't get your beers light enough. If you make a triple out of that stuff, it's still going to be like pretty caramely you know, in color and trying to get the colors right, trying to get some of that stuff dialed in and separate out some of the flavors. You know, it's tough when you've got three pounds of, of grain and then just, you know, the rest of it's all that, that two row based um, extract. So getting from, you know, one, one pretty small little setup going on and completely extract brewing. I didn't do any, um, any all grain until, well, I did a couple of batches on his, his system. He's got a cooler, cooler style system um so i I had done some 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 all grain but then it was just like full full force let's jump into it yeah yeah and i mean that was the catalyst we just had one one thing and you can't make anything with the 55 gallon mash time not like nothing you can't make anything with it so we had to get you know, the other bits and, and put together yeah. a brewery no i mean you either go in or you don't so yeah i mean michael jackson identified um Belgium is the place that's probably, it was the beer place, right? And then um, that most people kind of lost track of because, especially in America, we started chasing these IPAs and all of this hoppy and the pale ale and and all of that. And the Belgian beer scene kind of just faded into the background. So it's not until recently that things have kind of come back and started to shift. Frim is a perfect example of that. And Degard and some of those guys and what they're doing. But you're starting to see that, that monk, Trappist, Abbey's thing come back, which is cool. Um, I think the problem is that most people identify that with that banana and clove, and that steers a lot of people away, just the thought that that's what a Belgian beer is. There's so much more to Belgian beer and, than that banana and clove. And it's the, it's the same thing in Germany, right? right? You've got a ton of beers that are banana and clove, wit, wit beer kind of things that are just that, that base kind of German yeast that really has those flavors specifically, just has them, like right. especially the banana. Like, bah, you know, Francis Conner, it's like, classic right like everybody drinks that mm-hmm. but for me it's not the right flavor profile right. i want i want less banana than that right. i want some other fruits um and and if you go into a inger and some of those other other breweries that are making a lot of dark beers pretty big malt but with apparently completely different yeasts gorgeous fantastic stuff right you know that's that's kind of the place that the gustavs has for me you know, being able to go and get a lot of that stuff imported. It's gorgeous beer, yeah. just amazing beer that really, you know, it's pushing me as a brewer to go in different directions and still be open-minded about German yeast in general because you know it can be done right. Yeah, and so that's funny that you bring up Gustav's, but I find myself at Gustav's quite often just because of that because I can get a lot of those fresh European-type beers served. I can come back and almost recalibrate what beer should be compared to kind of what's on the market in some of these different places now. And I think the general consumer kind of gets lost in some of these growler places or inside of the grocery store yeah. picking up something, and that's all they know what beer is. 
And I think that's kind of why we're starting to see this downturn in what's going on is everybody's doing the same stuff, but everybody's kind of forgot how good beer can be and how different beer can be because everybody here locally is doing the same type of thing, hazy IPAs and just all of this stuff. Oh, can I can I serve you a hazy IPA from my from my fridge? <laughs> yeah. no, 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 I can't. Yeah. I don't have an right. IPA, no. and I don't have a hazy IPA. I just right. don't make them. Right? That's why would we try to compete with Ninkasi, right? Who has unlimited hop supply of any type that they want? When when we could go in a completely different direction that we really think is is where it's going to all come back to anyway. Right, and no offense to, to Nikasi. No. Like they've done an incredible job, like really penetrating a lot of markets. I mean, thirty fifth largest craft brewer in America, that's huge for a little company out of out of Oregon. Like right. that's that's a big thing for sure. Um, and I, I like plenty of their beers, right? Uh, vanilla Otis and the regular Otis, like some of that stuff is really, really well done. Um, but I think I think a lot of people are chasing something that it just it, for me it's not that interesting. Yeah, for me, it's how big can you get? How big should you get? Right? And then the other thing is, from my vision of it, is I want to make beer that I like. Right? I want to drink beer that I can drink, that I want to drink, not that I can go buy off the shelf. Because if I want to go buy it off the shelf, I can go to any growler Just go shop. Do it. Yeah, Just go exactly. Do it. And it's world class beer, right? I'm, I live in an area where I'm fortunate to be able to drink world class beers all the time of those styles. But the beer I make shouldn't be a replication of that. It should be what I want to drink. Yeah, it's And not, I think people lose focus of that. It's just not. I mean, it's not that much cheaper. It's not that much anything to, to make you want to chase that, you know, perfect blend of 17 hops right. in your really, really complicated to make IPA. Right. You know, there's, there's just more to it than that. And I think for me, the, the malts are just, they're more interesting from a, from a science perspective. Right. Um, and the flavors that you can build between a malt and a yeast you know, combination. So that's kind of what we focused on. I think I had to talk some of the guys into that. Christy was pretty, pretty on board from the beginning. Uh, well, was that trip to Belgium? (laughs) But I mean, I think in general, we're just less, we're less hop driven in in our beer consumption in general. So, um, you know, Aaron and and Dan both were, were IP people at various times, but I think, you know, we've, we've really moved away from, from that, um, in terms of, you know, what we're focused on, on trying to make. So we're, we're English, Belgian, German styles for sure. Like very, very focused on on kind of that that original European um, influence, right. rather than just you know West Coast, Northwest kind of stuff. Cool, awesome. All right, part two in the books. Part do it. Ton of great information on this interview. So oh, yeah. Um, you get world travels, you get beer styles, you get what changed people's lives. Yeah. And uh, he missed, he's got to go back to Bruges because he missed uh, three things. <laughs> he's swimming with the swans. Climbing the tower. What's the third? Sleeping with Tim on a oh, single boy. bed no. with no air conditioning. I, I, he can skip that one. You haven't been to Bruges until you've slept with Tim. <laughs> That's actually the name of my next. My next. Uh, <laughs> Your next uh, album. My next Sleeping album. with Tim. Sli- uh, I'm gonna <laughs> actually name my next beer that. So, Ale Sleep- Sleeping with Tim. Ale Song's got this oh, rhino wow. suit. Uh, I'm gonna have Sleeping with Tim. It's gonna Yikes. be a nut brown. Uh, I was gonna say, <laughs> just, just can't be good where this is added. Hey, cannot be good. What happens in Bruges? Stays in Bruges. Nope, keeps happening in Bruges. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, so uh, collab. We talked a little bit about it. Hops and Taps were there from King City slash Tigard and doing a collaboration. Blondale uh, upscaling their recipe, brewing it on a professional system. Yep. So we snagged some time with these gents. Uh, you got to check these guys out. So great little place um, over in Tigard um, on the way to Sherwood. So if you're coming back from the coast on 99, you can stop in there to fill up your growler. If you're heading out of town, heading to the coast. Or out to wine country, fill up your growler. But yeah. Hops and taps. Or if you got a place you got to go to eat, need to take the kids, this place is it. This place is it. All right, let's give it a whirl. All right, this is Gary, and I'm with Jason with Portland Tim Beers. And we are up at Cooper Mountain Ale Works, um, along with the guys from Hops on Tap for their big collaboration day that they're doing. And... Uh, we're going to see what's going on, how they do it, and I think one of the first questions we're going to ask them is what the inspiration was for the collaboration that they're doing today. Um, and I'm going to introduce you to one of the guys from Hopworks, uh, or from Hops on Tap, I'm sorry, and uh, get it going from there. So without further ado. I'll let you hold the mic. Hi. I'm um, right up your chin. David Hartman, uh, one of the three owners at Hops on Tap. Uh, Pat O'Brien and then my wife, Joe, are the three of us. Uh, Pat and I have been homebrewers for a long time. We had friends who were homebrewers. Homebrewers always want to own a brewery. Uh, I, I went out and researched what it costs to do a brewery, and if you want to be a brewer and be successful, yeah, you need about a half a million dollars to start. Right. Not, I don't have that a, kind of money. Not a cheap endeavor whatsoever, right? But then we found this little place in Lake Oswego called Flyboys, a little tiny tap house, but he had a brewing license. And I'm talking to the one friend who wanted to brew, and I said, this is a great idea. You know, if you don't have the money to open a brewery, open a tap house, become profitable, and then start brewing. About four and a half years ago, my wife looked at me and said, you know, we can do that. And I said, do what? And she goes, open a tap house. And I told her she was crazy. Uh, we've been there for two and a half years now, so I guess it's only crazy until it works. Right. Uh, the Blonde Ale is the first beer I ever brewed. Uh, it was great. I'm drinking my beer, the first bottle of it, and I brought my glass up and it was empty, and I said, Joe, how much of my beer did you drink? I didn't drink any of your blankety-blankety-blank beer. And I went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. We got a problem because it went down way too easy. It went down way too easy, (laughs) and um, I've been kind of hooked ever since. And then Chris and Dan and Aaron came in, and I'd done my bourbon barrel age. All right, hops on tap there. Um, showing what what the inspiration was for what the collaboration was that we were out there for today, uh, which I think we we did bring it up at the beginning of the podcast, was a complete surprise to Hops on Tap that we were going to be there doing our interview. Yeah, I think they were surprised. Uh, but again, I think I think it added some flavor and, again, introduced, introduced us to a new place, which in turn introduces you guys to a new place. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, listen, listen to part two. We'll figure out where Hops and Taps is. We are in Tigard, uh, right off of Pacific Highway in King City in the Safeway parking lot. Uh, You'll know us because you'll see Sonic and Carl's Jr. and Petco and Safeway. We're right in that same area. Used to be the coffee people space used many years co- ago. Used to be yeah. coffee people. 
Uh, that place sat empty for 10 years, and uh, it was just a great location. I mean, it came with an 8x12 refrigerator already there, and amazingly enough, after 10 years, it still works great. So uh, it, was, it was just a great location, and there's a ton of traffic through there, and we said, yeah, this will work. Yeah, it's a great location. So I used to park my uh, ambulance, so I ran the ambulance company for the local area. Okay. And uh, when I was a paramedic, actually in the streets, I, we would post there in front and go to the coffee people all the time or go to Hollywood Video or any oh, of that yes, other stuff Hollywood that was Video. there, right? Boy, that's a long yeah. time ago, too. <laughs> so I, um, I, I'm way back. Um, so, yeah, wonderful place. I was excited to actually see you guys go into the location there. I um, was a little bit worried about reception and how you guys would do because the senior community that's around there. And But it seems to be like sales are going okay for you. Sales are going well. Um, I kept having people go, what's your demographic? And I said, well, let's see. I got King City over here, which is 55 and over. I got Summerfield over here, which is 55 and over. Just up the hill, I've got... Huge apartment complex that right. is young couples, young, young individuals, young families. Just the other side of that, I've got very expensive housing for the well-to-do. Uh, Bull Mountain, again, lots of very well-to-do people. So I've got this demographic that's all across the board. Right. Um, so what's your plan to pull them out of off of the hill and come uh, down? We're easy to get to. Okay, good. So... How many tap houses have you gone to where you have a nightmare either getting in or out of their parking lot, or once you get in, there's no place to park? Right, and that's the one thing about that location there, with the Safeway there, with all of that, there's just open parking, hence why my ambulance was parked there all the time, yeah. right? There, there, are, there are three driveways into the parking area, if you include the one that goes around behind Safeway. We're at a major intersection with stoplights. Right. The only time there's problems finding parking in front of us is... The day before there's going to be a big snow or when the Taekwondo, Taekwondo school that's four doors down is doing testing and everybody's parked right there for the <laughs> testing. Other than that, there is always parking within, you know, 100 feet of my front door. Is Wu's Open Kitchen still sitting there? Wu's Open Kitchen there is still there. Is, right there next is, to yeah. We uh, occasionally get to listen to them fixing whatever yeah. <laughs> lunch or dinner because their kitchen is loud and our walls are thin. Yeah. But... Uh, no, great location on the corner there. Yeah, if I remember it. right, there's some outdoor seating along the outside there, on we, the back side. We've got, we've got a, a porch there at the side towards yeah. uh, Safeway. We've got seating out there. That outside area is pet friendly. Cool. We often have dogs out there. I've had dogs, cats, ferrets, and uh, bearded dragons Fantastic. all come down to visit me. How many taps do you have? We have, we just upgraded to put in two taps for hard seltzer. So we are now up to wow. 33 taps. We uh, try to always have four taps with seltzers, two tap, or excuse me, four taps with ciders, two taps with mead. We've got three taps with wine. Uh, we've got we're we're gonna have two taps with the hard seltzer because these are we kept getting asked for them, and we always have four taps with kombucha. Oh well. Uh, and then we've got a refrigerator with sodas and seltzer waters and box juice for the for the toddlers. Uh, the and then how many beer taps? Uh, Oh, now you're making me do math. It's yeah. uh, 18 or 19, okay. I believe. Good. And then talk to me about beer selection. How do you select your beers about the beers that you want to come in? <laughs> well, well, I, I, I was interested. We've actually sorry. talked about on the podcast about the pressure that distributors can put on you guys to actually See, that's the great sell thing. stuff. That's the great thing is we don't let them pressure us. We tell them what we want. Okay. Uh, there's too much competition, and there are too many independent people like Cooper Mountain Absolutely. that can do what I want. So, um we always have four IPAs because IPAs are huge. 
But I've walked into a tap house before where they had 18 taps and 16 of them were IPAs. Mm-hmm. I wanted just a lager or I wanted a red. It's like, okay. So we try and do that. We try and always have at least one dark beer. We've got two taps that are on nitro. Uh, and we've had everything from a cream ale to a imperial barrel-aged stout on nitro. Um, occasionally, we will buy something because of the name. Right. She bought one called Grumpy Tom. We had no idea what it was going to taste like. She ordered it just because of the name. My right. wife buys all the beer. My wife doesn't like beer. She 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 will drink uh, a Pilsner. That's huh. pretty much what she wants. So that way, we're guaranteed to have a wide selection of everything because Pat and I aren't picking what we like. She's picking things that people are asking for that, that look good. Um, and our taps are all over the board. Um, I've got one from Chicha Brewing, which is a uh, pale ale that they put hatched chilies into the boil in. So it's got this great chili flavor, but no heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll have Pilsners. We'll do barrel-aged occasionally. Um, ciders are all over the place. We've had barrel-aged ciders. We'll have dry sours. Dry ciders, we've currently got one that's a key lime pie. Wow. Um, it's tart like a key lime pie should be. Yeah. Um, and now you guys are doing a collab here at Cooper Mountain. Yeah, pretty. Cooper Mountain. This is the first time I've done one of my recipes at more than five gallons. Good. Uh, so this is a big experiment for us and for them both because recipes don't always translate up well. Not at but all. We're thinking we've got it dialed in pretty good. It smells right as we're cooking it, so I'm pretty comfortable with that. We'll see if the ABV is as high as it is when I brew it at home. So you give us um, a small story. You're a home brewer. So you gave I've us, been a home brewer for years. Yeah, and you give that story. So, um, And I believe you go to Above the Rest. I went down to uh, the Home Improvement Show in Portland, and Above the Rest was doing a contest, and I won a deluxe home brew kit. Okay. And I picked the kit up on Saturday, or excuse me, on Tuesday. On Saturday, I went down, and I was working with one of their guys who's no longer there about what's a nice, easy beer to brew, and he pointed me at this blonde ale recipe. Uh, It called for six pounds of LME. They were out of bulk LME, so I bought a seven-pound tub of LME. Extra pound, what can it do? Yeah, whatever. I had no clue. I used all seven pounds. Uh, I went to their their beginning homebrew class the next weekend and listened to all the things I had done wrong. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, man, this beer is going to be horrible. I got done fermenting, I primed it, I put it into bottles, wait three weeks. Oh, two weeks into it, I opened my first bottle, <laughs> it went pssst, so I knew it was carbonated. I'm sitting there, I pour it into a glass, I'm sitting there watching TV, I'm drinking my beer, I reach up, I grab my glass, and it's empty. And I yelled at my wife for drinking my beer, and she says, I did not drink your expletive, expletive yeah. beer, and I went, oh no. This beer was way too easy to drink, and I was hooked, and I've not looked back. The rest is it. You still shop it above the rest? I still shop it above yeah. the rest. Um, I've been going for 20 years, I've determined. I've been looking back, and uh, I know she just celebrated her, what, 26th year, I think? Something, Something like that. Like yeah. that. Um, anytime I need a small CO2 keg, because the kombucha's on a small CO2 okay. canister, I go up there and swap it out, because yeah. it's cheaper than buying one from the distributors. They keep it, keep it local with Tiger. Well, they yeah. charge me 30 bucks just to have the container. Right. And it's like, wait, for 30 bucks plus the $14 to fill it, I can buy a, a brand new one and then just keep refilling yeah, that right. one. So that's what I do. Um, it's been great. Um, 
all, almost everything at the tap house is my wife's idea. Um, Pat and I built the bar ourselves. My wife picked out the top. She went out and found the uh, resin to use that was the best bar top resin that was a pour-on self-leveling resin. Mm. She picked out the furniture. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Well, we'll have to check it out. We haven't been out at all. So, so do you do any tie-ins with uh, the Balloon Festival or any of that type of stuff? We have not done that. Um, we've got an event coming up later this year that is for the... Uh, it's the Tiger Run for the Cure. Okay. Um, we've done an event back in January for the Northwest Sarcoma Foundation where we raised $1,500 for them. Um, we're working with brewers right now, or breweries right now, to get some beers in for this event. Uh, Three Mugs does their FYC beer, which is FY Cancer. Okay. You figure out yeah, what FY means. Absolutely. Uh, because his mother is fighting cancer. Uh, our, we, we did a special brew with them. We took their honey ale and, and modified it, and it was Let's Be Slap Cancer. And we yeah. used that for the sarcoma event. All of the proceeds from that beer went directly to the Sarcoma Foundation. We made no money on that one at all. Mm. Um, and then we did a special event one day, and 10% of the proceeds from the tap house went to the Sarcoma Foundation. The guys here at Cooper Mountain donated a bottle of their chai Tea, they're, they're chai brown yeah. because again the gal who we did this in honor of wasn't a beer drinker but she was a big tea drinker uh, so they donated a keg of that and all the proceeds from that keg went directly to the Sarcoma Foundation fantastic um, you know I've got two, gra two grandsons and a granddaughter uh, when we started this I only had the two grandsons and we knew we were going to always be there so we knew we had to be kid friendly so that my grandsons could come and visit right. us we now have one of our grandsons there every day in the week from 1 o'clock till 6 o'clock at a minimum. Sweet. As we take care of them. So we've got toys for, for younger kids to play. We've got board games for adults to play. Uh, we've got two chess boards, one inside and one outside. Um, there's a checker set that's floating around. Um, We've got two couches, two chairs. We've got a, a, an exchange library in there that we've had several people donate books to us. The idea is come in, find a book you like, take it home, pass it on to somebody else, bring us back something different. Good. Or don't bring us back something different because I still have people bringing me more more books that I can put out on my shelf. Right. Um, no, that's fantastic. Sounds like a great place. Hope to check it out. So for sure, email us or stay in contact with us. We give you a card because um, we'd love to come out and try the beer once you get it on tap over there. I'm assuming you're going to put it on tap. It will be on tap. It's going to go like fat crazy, but let us know. We'll come out night you put it on tap and okay. and do it. So, uh, But, yeah, if you yeah, guys we, get a chance. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. Oh, do you? Uh, okay. Hops on tap dash PDX. Are you on untapped as well? Uh, we show up on untapped, but we're not registered. Okay. Uh, we're on the digital pour app. Good. Okay. Uh, we've got a web page, hops on tap dash PD or hops on tap PDX, uh, and it'll get posted to the web page and Facebook when we're ready to to, to tap this beer. Good. Uh, if you've come in and you've registered with us on Five Star, we'll send a blast out to everybody who's registered on Five Star that we've got that beer coming on tap. Uh, Great. Yeah. yeah. Well, listeners, if you guys get a chance, go check out uh, Hops on Tap there in Tigard. Um, again, it kind of sits on that weird border of Tigard King City and which one am I in, but uh, it's there at the Safeway. I believe there's a Les Schwab and a Carl's Jr. in the uh, in the parking lot as well. Yep. Yep. Um, but check these guys out. Uh, great little tap room, kid-friendly. Not a lot of tap rooms are uh, kid-friendly these days, and 
Um, again, you'll find parking and a good selection of beer and the hard seltzer thing that's catching on here very, very quickly. I was a naysayer on this hard seltzer thing, but They're whatever puts, whatever brings people in. So. Oh, and, and on top of that, every once in a while we have live music. Live music, uh, good. We had live music last night. Um, I think our next live music is the last day of this month. Oh, fantastic. Good. So live music popping in and then and food? all local people. Oh, yes. Good, good. food menu because you've got to have food. You have kids. We've right. We've got homemade chili. Oh. Uh, my wife makes it from scratch. Uh, we've got some appetizer dishes, chips and salsa, a jalapeno popper dip, Great. cheese dip. We do paninis, quesadillas, hot dogs. Nothing fried and nothing that requires a stove top because we don't have a vent, and vents are really expensive. Yeah, it's very expensive. <laughs> but uh, you especially know, if nobody shows, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And so you know, it's it's just it's real easy to make food. Uh, I think the the longest it takes to make anything is our we do a flatbread pizza that takes about fifteen minutes to do. Everything else is five minutes or less. Pretty, pretty quick much. and churn, good. So hot summer day. There's only one beer you could drink. What would it be? One beer I could drink on a hot summer day. Um, it might be Sasquatch's Vanilla Bourbon Cream Ale. Really? Wow. Uh, that is one of my favorite beers all around. Fantastic. Uh, it's just a great beer. And a cold winter day or evening, sitting around a fire. Oh, I'm what are you go, drinking? I'm going to go for either a real dark brown or a stout or a porter. Nothing coming to mind about what it would be? Uh, there are too many. Really? There are really too <laughs> many good stouts and porters out there. Um, I'm an abyss guy. I love abyss. Okay. So there's been, a, there's been a slight variation. Something's going on with them. I think they're too trying to pump out too much abyss. Okay. Um, so I kind of moved to Oakshire's uh, Hellshire. Okay. Um, but that hardcore imperial is my winter go-to beer. Love it. Um, one of the ones I used to love that you can't get anymore would have been Seven Brides Monkey Love. They're yeah. Imperial Polish Stout Barrel Aged. Oh, my goodness. We had that on tap for our grand opening party, the first tap takeover we ever did. I was really sad to see him close that place. Yeah. I have four bottles of his beer sitting in my cooler that I'm going to open up next January for my brother's birthday. Yeah, Contracture is interesting because... Uh, Again, there's a lot of great breweries, Alameda. I mean, some of these guys that, I mean, Bridgeport, right? Bridgeport. They've been around for a long time that have closed because... They didn't evolve. They, well, they didn't evolve. Uh, I know Josiah closed simply because he'd lost a partner and it was more than he could do anymore. Right. It stopped. When it stops being fun, what do you do? Right. Well, these guys talked about it, right? So yeah. they know that it's a good time when they can brew back-to-back batches and, and not blush and be happy, right? And so yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. I think it turns a little bit when it becomes like... Now I'm depending on this to make a living, right? Because now there's a little bit of pressure there. Um, Pat, Joe, and I are all now officially retired. Perfect. And our only job, well, Pat and my only job is the tap house. Um, it's really nice when I realize that I get up in the morning and I don't dread going to work. Good. Um, I had jobs I loved, and there were still mornings where I'd get up in the morning and I would dread going into work. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. And the thing that surprised me the most, and I had not expected, because I'd never worked food services in my past, was the sense of community that you build. Right. Um, we've just got some amazing people who've become amazing friends because of the tap house. Yeah. And I had never anticipated that. Uh, this year for the for, for for New Year's Eve, we we do a ball drop at nine o'clock, and we were hoping people would show up. Had no clue what was going to happen. The, the first year we'd only been open a couple of months, and we had very few people in. This year we had to bring outside tables inside because we had more people than we had chairs. Wow! And 
there is probably nothing more personally rewarding than to realize that that many people chose our tap house to come to to celebrate. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it was it was uh, totally unexpected. Uh, the, the the people we have come in are just amazing people. Fantastic. Good. Well, again, appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys giving us a chance to come out here and hang with Cooper Mountain and you guys and. And you did blind side me. They didn't yeah. blind me to be here. So. <laughs> well, we're here. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, glad we got to connect, and we'll be out there for sure. And certainly the listeners will point them that way, too. So, well, good. Thank so Thanks, much. man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Hops on tap. There you have it. Interesting stuff, huh? Oh, very interesting. Very Almost interesting. every episode, Sharon gets looped in there. That's kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. Above the rest, duly noted. ABR. So, uh, well, buddy, fun day. Awesome job setting that up um, and kind of taking the lead on that. That was a fun, fun morning and afternoon. Yeah, it was a blast. Absolute blast. Any final thoughts on this rhino suit? It's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Any brew plans coming up? Um, You know, I'm thinking that I might just do... um, just from a timing and weather standpoint, I think I might do another Kolsch, but with a twist of uh, possibly doing the lime Kolsch this time. Beautiful. I've just got to figure out how to do the lime part. Um, I don't know whether I want to do it with a like a lime zest in the boil or the lime zest with a... Um, Oh, what is it? Vodka, you know, infusion tincture. type thing. Yeah, yeah tincture. Um, I'm reading a couple of different things, and I'm. It's almost half a dozen to one, and and uh, you know, what is it? Six to one, half a dozen to the other on what your results are. So I think I might just have to play with it. Yeah, and, I think you have and to just, figure out what it's going to be. I think you just have to pick a pick a path, see what it does, and if it sucks, then go with the other path. Yeah, then go the other direction. So, all right, buddy. Well, um, let's see. I bought the ingredients for a cream ale. Yeah. So we're going to see how that goes. It's got a little bit of corn, flaked corn, and flaked rice in it. So So are you just doing a basic cream ale, or what are you doing here? Just a standard. I'm actually deviating from the (gasps) Pelican clone just to see what I can do. A Um, deviation. Well, so Ex Novo had that world's most interesting lager kind of play off of the uh dos Equis theme yeah and yeah. so uh but you can taste the corn and the kind of the complexity in that right so and i, I kind of want to toy with that i kind of like that heavier corny type taste in there huh. so i'm gonna play and see what we can come up with a corny so. type guy yeah me so corny <laughs> me so corny <laughs> So, all right, buddy. Well, awesome day. Big shout out to, uh, again, the whole gang that we hung out with today. Dan, Christy, and Chris. Um, and Aaron. And Aaron. Dan wasn't there. Dan was not there. David, Pat, and Joe. Joe was not there. Right. Um, again, very hospitable from the folks at Cooper Mountain Ale Works. Check these guys out. If you see something on tap from these folks, Trust me, go get it, because we tried some ridiculous, oh, yeah. ridiculous beers from them today. Yeah. And then, uh, likewise, uh, check out Hops on Tap over there in Tigard. So, family-friendly environment. There's not too many of those that happen to be a tap house. And 
Again, they were telling us uh, things about their food where they've halved their menus to be family Kid friendly. friendly. Yeah. yeah. And, and they also have like a veterans slash first responders day uh, every Monday. Uh, where you get happy hour prices all day. Well, there you go. I know a bunch of these listeners are past paramedics of mine, so yeah. uh, um, check them out. Hops on tap over in Tigered King City. So, all right, man. Well, we got to uh, plan the next one and uh, make it just as big and bad as this one. So, you guys have a great week. We'll be back at you. I believe next weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, yes, it is. So we might be slightly yeah. delayed on the next yeah, podcast. Yeah. But, um, again, God bless, God bless the veterans out there that, uh, again, gave their lives to protect this country and make it what it is. Uh, again, I think us from the Team Beers, we salute you and the ultimate sacrifice that you provided. Yep, definitely. So, um, with that, Tim Beers. <laughs> <laughs>